Welcome to the IoT Idols podcast. I'm Ryan Cousins, co-founder and CEO of Critical. We help bring bleeding-edge technology products to market through a combination of hardware and software modules and professional engineering services. We believe every innovator has a powerful collection of experiences and knowledge that can help inspire others in their field. If you have a story you'd like to share, stick around at the end of the show and we'll explain how you can be a guest on one of our upcoming episodes. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you could be the next IoT Idol. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of IoT Idols, Innovators to Watch. I'm your host, Ryan Cousins, co-founder and CEO of Critical, and really excited for our guest today. Uh, I have Nancy Hartsock from Aquaseca here to tell us a little bit more about uh, what she's working on and about her company and her, her whole background. So, Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's, it's exciting to be here. Yeah, great. Yeah. So I guess just to, to start out, uh, it'd be great if you could share a little bit with our audience a um, little bit more about, about Aquaseca and uh, what, what's uh, your kind of mission and uh, what you're all about. Certainly. So Aquaseca, we're, we started this company about five years ago from a scientific standpoint, looking at science and can we do what we think we can do and, and really started productizing about three years ago. What we've done is we've developed a data-driven platform that allows commercial buildings, whether those are offices or hotels or hospitals or whatever, to really be able to manage water in the buildings based on data, much like has you know pl- proliferated a lot of industries over the last you know five to ten years. Uh, so we're using a inexpensive acoustic sensing staying outside the pipes. Combining that with our analytics hub where we have machine learning, characterization, uh, little AI in order to track water through buildings, through complex building infrastructures. Uh, A lot of this has been done in the home and residential environment in the last two to three years, but that's a very different environment than complex buildings. And so, you know, our mission is to bring, you know, the advantages of IoT and data driven decisions to the water segment of uh, commercial buildings. I I sometimes look at it and say, we're today with water where electricity and efficiency was two decades ago. Mm. And, uh, you know, water got ignored for a long time because water was cheap, water was always available, water was not an issue, it was just a given. And I think we've all come to realize in the last few years that uh, there's a lot of fallacy in the belief that water doesn't have value. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, especially uh, with well, both of us being in California, I think that water is in the news pretty much year round uh, you know, on a daily basis. So, yeah, it's uh, clearly in this big issue and in the spotlight, um, you know, for for now and the foreseeable future. Uh, what so you know when you say commercial buildings, is this mostly uh, kind of like office building type stuff, or are you getting into industrial buildings as well, or a little bit of everything? You know, I guess I'm curious what your target is. So from a, uh, a capability of the product standpoint, you know, if it's got walls and pipes, the product can be made to work there. From a market focus and launching type standpoint, we're really focused on, on kind of three key areas. One is office buildings, and office buildings, uh, there's a couple of things that are really important that we can do for office buildings. One is uh, leak detection so that if anything happens, that's an unexpected water event, you know, a leak can be something that a ruptured pipe causes. A leak can be something that a bad tenant causes. 
uh, by simply a little negligence. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of sources other than just ruptured pipes. Uh, so we can identify those quickly, let people know where they are and they can fix them before they have, you know, major damage or major interruption of operations. Hmm. Uh, the second area is multifamily. Uh, and multifamily benefits from that as very much, but also benefits from having the ability to really understand water efficiency and usage by unit and be able to set standards and potentially, you know, bill for overages of water use by tenants, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, there's been a real push for us. We had not looked at this as an initial market into the healthcare industry, uh, medical facilities. And this is because, and it, it became quite a, apparent uh, even in office buildings after COVID and buildings reopened, but uh, a lot of these facilities deal with the problem of stagnation in the water lines, water lines that aren't run regularly. Uh, they go stagnant, bacteria grows in that water, and all of a sudden you can have an outbreak of Legionella or all other water bearing disease. Hospitals have to be very, very careful of that and medical centers. And so uh, the, our same product that's detecting leaks and providing usage data also can tell you if water hasn't moved. Mm. So there's a water health aspect, and that's turned out to be much larger than we expected initially. Uh, and we'll be doing a, a uh, initial project at a very large medical center in Chicago in about three weeks. Hmm. So, so those are the focuses. Industrial, longer term, I think industrial might want to be one of our largest markets. Mm -hmm. um, it'll just develop slower and there's less commonality. Uh, not all factories sound alike, if you will, since we're using mm -hmm. acoustics. They're not all plumbed alike. Whereas some of these others, you find commonality. So as we're developing the machine learning, the AI and the databases, we can do a lot of transfer learning from similar facilities. Um, when we get to industrial, where I think the value is going to, going to be extremely high, uh, it's a little bit longer of a learning curve. Yeah, super interesting. You know, the stuff you were mentioning about, uh, you know, it's it's funny if you, you initially what you might be targeting or what you did target was uh, detecting water moving around when you don't want it to, but you found out that there's there's a big opportunity in market uh, and need for knowing when water isn't moving around and you want it to, <laughs> which is kind of a, a really interesting, uh, you know, dynamic. You're only going to ever see, figure that out by being in the market. I mean, realistically. Yes. And in fact, we'd had a, a, a number of companies out of uh, Europe approached us on this in our very early days. Uh, and Europe was much more is has been much more sensitive to this issue. My understanding is they do less chlorination of their water, so mm. bacterial growth is a bit bigger of an issue there. Uh, and it's actually become one of the the um, investigative mandates of the EU. Mm. Uh, this whole issue around Legionella bacteria and stuff. So it's certainly a growing area in the U.S. too. But you're right; it's if you know it doesn't flow, it does flow. You could also know it's not flowing. So, you know, and, and the goal here was, you know, there's been a lot of solutions for buildings over the years, but the typically they've either been customized to be sort of an integration of a lot of products or, you know, which is expensive and time consuming, or they've been things that have gone inside pipes like flow mm -hmm. meters and things. And, and the challenge there is there's nothing wrong with those kind of approaches, but the cost benefit becomes much more challenging, you know, to, to get the market moving forward. Uh, you know, I, I think that we're kind of on this nascent edge of, of two things. One is we know there's $10 billion a year in the U.S. in damage in commercial buildings. We know the insurance companies are super worried about that because, you know, they pay a lot of it. 
Also, the property owners do because there's usually large deductibles on water events. Mm. Um, and then three, there's this need to know more about what's happening with water throughout the building so that you can understand quotas. You know, it's interesting. There was There's two buildings in San Francisco that are almost identical and occupancy structure and everything. And one uses twice as much water as the other. Mm. And the building owner has no idea why. Mm. You know, with this, you, you know, have an idea why, right? Mm. So uh, those kind of things, again, when water was cheap or water was unlimited, not a problem. You know, here in California, we're sitting here with, you know, mandatory rationing right around the corner. Mm. Uh, and it will matter. And, uh, you know, but the bottom line is it should matter to everyone everywhere. It's it's a global problem. But yeah, uh, I think we we will feel it quicker here than some others. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's it's interesting. You know, the um, I was going to say, yeah, the the utilities, you know, obviously are interested in, in all this. Like you said, it's a multifaceted or it's a multiple stakeholders that are interested in getting this data. You know, there's the utility companies, the tenants, the building owners. Um, but, you know, and you kind of touched on this, too, is the insurance companies, I would imagine, you know, have would have a huge place, huge value on this kind of information, because, I mean, even presumably if you can track historical data back to, you know, after, say, an unexpected event occurs, um, you know, in some water system in a building and there's hundreds of thousands of dollars of damage or whatnot, um, presumably you can actually do, do a fair amount of tracing, like historical tracebacks to see, well, here's where your problem was. And, and that, of course, informs the model for for future reference and then the insurance can take that and say here's you know like we, we're either going to raise your premiums or maybe lower them or maybe not insure you or yeah it's, it's kind of interesting yeah no it is and it goes from not just buildings that are built but there's also the same issues in buildings under construction mm -hmm. which is another segment of the market that the insurance companies have approached us on um, because you know in those cases it needs to be an inexpensive solution but, uh, you know, that and, and what some of these insurance companies are saying is, you know, one, do we do rate adjustments? Do we just provide it because we know it'll it'll benefit us? Or do we say you got to have it or your deductibles high? I mean, you know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of avenues they go they will go through. You know, it, it's, it is interesting because on the residential side, the insurance companies were over all over this much faster because in a residence, say you have a five hundred or thousand dollar deductible a typical average claim for a water event in a residence in a single family home is about $30,000. Hmm. You know, homeowners gonna cover about 500 to 1,000 of that and the hmm. insurance company carries the rest. Mm -hmm. You know, in commercial buildings, the uh, deductibles are much higher. So, you know, a, a lot of water events, I mean, we look at this 10 million in da 10, 10 million a year, billion a year in damage. What's interesting is that probably is a fraction of the total because if something is below the threshold of the deductible or even above the deductible, but you don't want to affect your policy for futures, mm -hmm. stuff doesn't even get reported to these numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then, it, you know, the, the building people I've talked to is that impact of, of an interruption of operations is is two to six times as expensive as the actual damage to the building. Mm, you know, yeah. it, leases could be broken. You can imagine if the lease is broken in the middle of COVID, yeah. right? Yeah. Who suffers? The building owner, not the person that just got out of their lease for the building mm. they're not using. Right? <laughs> right. You know, we, you never know where you'll be in the uh, the lease or leasee advantage market if something like this happens. Yeah, um, it's super interesting. 
Yeah, it's funny how how the that a problem that can can seem so I, I wouldn't call it it doesn't necessarily seem trivial, but seems so uh, like siloed into say for example you might just think of this as like well this is purely about water waste and water consumption, but you see very quickly those things are so tightly coupled with hundreds of other issues from homeowners and building operators and all these different different problems that you know you have this this one little piece that that is kind of the the foundation of the you know the kind of the core problem if you want to call it that um that has these crazy ripple effects which is which is super interesting uh, one 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 thing i'm curious is you know from a a business kind of operation standpoint clearly this like we kind of discussed already this problem is so um i would say universal you know basically anywhere there's water in a pipe there's issues associated with that <laughs> uh as anyone who's ever done any even the slightest amount of plumbing work or probably even received a water bill can appreciate uh it, so i guess one thing i'm curious about and it's sort of a almost more of a philosophical kind of thing is how do you do, what's your kind of process or how do you go about f- determining which opportunities are are or markets or customer bases and things like that are the most appropriate for you to target at any one point in time? Um, do you have like a, a general, I mean, obviously it's a pretty wide open question, but is it just like this customer's paying, so we're going to go in this direction or is it more refined than that, I guess? Well, I, I, I like to think it's a little more refined than that. <laughs> uh, you know, as a startup company, you're always trying to stay focused because you need to succeed in part one before you get to part two. Mm-hmm. At the same thing, time, new opportunities come up that you don't know when you start. For example, I mentioned the, the medical centers and the, the you know, water stagnation issue. Uh, so, so, you know, I don't believe, you know, one thing I've always, I've done a couple of startups and, and what you know is that what you think you know today will be different tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we would have, I would have thought initially everything we did for the first year or two would be office buildings. Um and there will be office buildings and it'll be important. And we love that market segment because of this issue of transfer learning and, and mm-hmm. common structure of plumbing. And, and some of the, while our product is complicated, you know, a, a factory's got way more complicated pro, uh, plumbing than does an office building, if you will. Um, but we're, I always kind of look at where do we have, where can we succeed the best, right? So in other words, our product will work period, without obstacles of things we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. And two, where do you have the bring the biggest value? Mm-hmm. And those two things sometimes don't go side by side, right? Mm-hmm. So office buildings, yes, government buildings. When, when I say office, it could be corporate buildings. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, you know, a CBRB building or whatever, you know, any of those more of an office sign. On the other hand, you look at these medical facilities where the impact of stagnation can be death, mm-hmm. right? So, so the uh, the value proposition there is extremely strong, and I think as a startup, balancing those two things is is always really important. And then I guess the third aspect of that is you always have to kind of have a competitive view of it. Uh, you know, ha- you know what what are other alternatives they have, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, so so it's kind of a mixture of those. You know, what I know I won't do right now is go try to 
solve the leaking problems of fire systems at a large semiconductor manufacturing plant. Mm -hmm. Can we do that longer term? Absolutely. But is that a fast path to revenue? Mm. Uh, Probably not. Is it a more challenging uh, path when you're using acoustics and you have to filter out ambient noise? Yes, much more Mm -hmm. challenging. So Mm -hmm. when I, so the, where you want to be at a point in time, you know, changes, but you know, if I look further down, if I look out five years, you know, uh, our IP and our technologies about fluids moving through pipes, not water moving through pipes. Mm. So this can be applied on the water side to agriculture where 70% of the world's water is used and something like half of it's wasted and nobody knows where it's going. Uh, it can be used for oil and gas processing and transport, um, you know, where the, the cost of a spill is astronomical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, we're, we're far from limited just to the world of water that we've started. And then, you know, when I put on my real longer reaching hat, I say, oh, I want to be licensing this technology to people already playing in that oil and gas business so that they're now more environmentally responsible, but we're not trying to learn the oil and gas business. Yeah. So, you know, so it, this is the, as of the startups I've done, this is the one where I have the biggest vision and the longest time before I think we run out of ideas of what to do with it next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, sometimes you have a product and you have a great idea and you take it to market and then you go, well, now what do we do with it? Right. (laughs) Right. And this is a case of we're, we're working just the other. How do we like put those things aside or, or partner to do them, uh, you know, just through licensing or royalties or whatever. So, Yes. I digressed when you said the word philosophical, but there you go. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, that's perfect. Yeah, no, it's great because I mean, it's it's always it's always super interesting to hear different perspectives on that. And I think your last point there was was spot on. It's it's definitely a much better problem to have. Uh, you know, if you have to count the number of ways you you have to say no uh, versus just having this thing that you're holding out, you know, on the sidewalk saying please buy it. <laughs> you know, right. I know you can use it for something, but I don't know what, but just we built it. So you have to take it now. You know? Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of things where, that I'm not sure of. Right. <laughs> but the one thing I am really sure of is this whole concept of being in it for, at a very inexpensive cost, being able to monitor the flow of water through any number of infrastructures uh, from outside the pipes, non-invasively, is a critical technology for this century. I mean, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, water, or oil or gas, you know, we the the old concept of I got to be inside the pipe to know what's going on, you know, with with the advances in IoT and machine learning and AI, you know, you can now not have to measure that. You can create a digital twin of that. Yep. And, you know, once you've got everything in digital, you know, it's it's endless the analysis you can do. You know, and we our, our database that we're building that's already pretty large, but will grow a lot in the next two years, and we call it Aquabase, uh, actually is something that could be quite licensable in the future. You mentioned people wanting to understand, you know, where failures happen and those kind of things. You know, with this, you're creating a wealth of data around water usage and water um, plumbing failures and all kinds of things, you know, Mm -hmm. so the insurance industry, the construction industry, the building management industry, all long-term could benefit from a lot of that data that's getting created, you know, purely because of how we created and and, uh, evolved our product. 
Yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, we actually, um, one of the first episodes, you know, probably maybe one of the first five, I can't remember exactly which one it was, but um, we there was another company that was doing uh, non-wetted fluid measurements. Um, that, that it was in the context of uh, more like fluid uh, density and viscosity um, of, of fluid moving a pipe. Um, they do a lot of work with uh, dredging, so detecting the different types and, you know, quantities or volumes of material being sucked out of a ditch, you know, underwater. Um, and at the, at a previous, uh, back in, back when I had a quote unquote real job, uh, instead of a, being a, you know, entrepreneur, or whatever you want to call it, uh, the, the, that, that company I was working for did, it was all virtually all non-wetted fluid management for, uh, medical devices. So, um, therapeutic systems and drug delivery and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, there are all sorts of technologies, you know, and those are, you know, patient attached systems where, you know, an air bubble kind of thing could kill somebody, you know? <laughs> uh, so it's, those are, you know, obviously very safety critical, mission critical systems. Um, and there's, so I guess the point being is it's, it's really interesting how that idea of, of kind of non, non-invasive, you know, fluid, monitoring detection you know what like you said whether it's water or basically anything that can flow through a pipe or a hose or whatever um is definitely not i mean this is not going anywhere anytime soon and in in reality it's it's especially in the context of water it's only going to going to become a, a bigger more important issue to to solve and kind of stay on top of and like you're saying build up those like the the value of there'll be extreme value in the data derived from systems uh, like Aquasecas, where, you know, you're, you have all this historical data now and all these different use cases and customers um, that you can really translate into actionable insights for, for other people. Yeah. You know, when we uh, had this concept of using inexpensive passive acoustics to do this, not ultrasound, not uh, inline, none of those things, when we, when we had that concept, we then, of course, you're looking at the market and saying what's required. And I, I sometimes now call it the three C's. You know, it had to be low cost. It had to be super convenient to install. You can't shut buildings down and turn off water and have a low cost solution. Just mm-hmm. can't happen. And you have to provide broad coverage. You can't co- can't just monitor. You can't put a sensor everywhere you want to monitor. Right. Yeah. You need to have broad coverage. And so, you know, that's what we considered our requirements as we went from technology to product. And I think we've achieved that because with our solution, uh, these are small sensors um, like this, but that doesn't show an audio audience. (laughs) You know, so about four inches by an inch, something like Mm -hmm. that. They strap on pipes wherever they're visible in a building. You have an app-based training program. So you run some water sources you identify and then the the system learns the footprint of that building and thereafter it's always looking for anomalies things that it doesn't expect whether it's based on how long how much how you know what time of day that kind of thing but these you know our our real architecture is considered a multi-sensor architecture we don't just put one on an artery of Mm. the building we put multiple sensors out at the periphery these inexpensive sensors that allows us to localize where problems are yeah. It allows us to identify the sources of, of flow or issues. And very importantly, it's not a, we're not monitoring just where it's attached. We're monitoring the plumbing in between mm-hmm. because plumbing's like a waveguide through a building. 
So that pipe that ruptured behind the wall that nobody knows about that happened Friday night, but doesn't get to the ground floor until Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know Friday night. Yeah. So, and, and it's not because we can see it, it's behind the wall, but you know it because acoustically you heard it. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would, I would imagine that like to your point there about the, the kind of distributed sensing element of it, I feel like that's where the real meat and potatoes and the true value comes from because all these buildings have just a dumb water meter, you know, at the street level or whatever it is. <laughs> just, all right, well, we just know how much water is going in there and we're going to bill you for it, you know. But yeah, exactly. I mean, that 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 tells you about, you know, 1% of the useful information. I mean, you know how big your bill is going to be from that, but, but that doesn't really tell you, like you're saying, where, how, when, and all these other kind of details about how that, uh, you know, water or the whatever. I mean, fluid yeah. in general, but in this case, water is being consumed and or or or. Yeah, like you said, a pipe rupture. So some sort of crazy, like the best case scenario is it tells you, gives you more information about just kind of how you, how you're using the water according to to the way that you want to use it. And then the worst case is, well, it notifies you just some pipe just burst and <laughs> you, you have like yeah, a fire hose going into your bad pipe. just happened. So, <laughs> right. yeah, you know, I, I know your, your audience and you are very interested in IoT. And I, I sometimes say that where we are with this product in the commercial world is, you know, leak detection and then the analytics that now can go with it, which didn't used to be, right? Leak detection mm-hmm. was leak detection. It, yep. didn't, it didn't have you know, lowering operating costs and efficiency and sustainability and water health. You couldn't fold that into the same product. But but at that time, you know, systems were complicated, they were expensive, and they were interruptive. And I, I sometimes correlate it to what we've seen happen because of IoT and home security, right? Mm-hmm. It used to be people put in home security res- uh, place uh, systems, they either had to have a lot to protect or somebody broke in and they panicked now. Uh, but, you know, the security guy had to come out and he had to install everything and he had to test everything and you had to pay them a whole bunch of money. And, you know, and so it was sort of a niche market, mm-hmm. you know, invent IoT <laughs> and the ability to have these self-installed, self-monitored systems. And, you know, what was a small market grew to $350 billion in almost, you know, probably less than five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's very similar. I think now what we're able to do is bring those advantages of artificial intelligence and um, and IoT, industrial IoT in this case. Uh, you bring that and all of a sudden you've changed the entire dynamic and removed so many barriers to entry for a market really taking off. Yeah. And uh, so it's exciting for us because I think we're on the nascent edge of something that could that will become quite large. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, super exciting. Um, well, yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, I hate to cut us off. We're, we're running out of time a little bit. But no, this is this has been this has been a great, uh, great conversation. Super interesting. Um, and I think, you know, one of the one of the things that's always kind of fascinating for me is there's there's you get all these is more and more kind of industries you, you kind of poke your head into and just kind of figure out what's going on. You realize that there's so many different forms of what we'd broadly consider innovation. And I think what was what's really interesting about what what your um, what your kind of IoT, the core kind of IoT technology, the, the hardware piece in this case is relatively simple i mean you know it's it, like you're saying it's pretty low cost you know acoustic kind of sensing technology maybe some wireless stuff and some things like that not just not not to diminish it obviously by any means but it's not like the, the that's that's not where the the real 
the real kind of value and and benefit you're getting is like you're saying in the analysis of the data, what you do with it, how and what it, you know, understanding how what how that data impacts different industries and growing that knowledge base and and using this little affordable device because that's also a kind of a key element of this is like the the simpler the device is to perform the function to minimally perform the function that you need it to perform reliably the more affordable that is the more scalable the whole thing is and the more accessible all of this knowledge is to to everybody kind of thing so i think that's super interesting yeah yeah and you're absolutely right this the the sensing part of our product is important it's gathering the data it's doing some computing because we run on batteries so you can't send all the data and a variety mm-hmm. of things but the hardest system is the the analytics hub in the cloud yeah um, and 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 that's clearly where you know, the magic of our solution is, if you will, even though it's not actually management, it's science. It's right. not magic, it's science. But, That's okay, you can call it but to me, it's it's all magic once it gets to the cloud, you know, and it comes right. and out comes all this information that you can actually understand. So. For sure. Yeah, super interesting. All right. Well, Nancy, thank you so much. Uh, this has been great. What um, What's the best way for people to get either get a hold of you or learn a bit more about the company? If you could just share, you know, maybe a website, LinkedIn or, or Twitter or whatever, whatever is kind of the best mechanism. Yeah, yes, probably the best uh, our website would take you to me or anywhere else you might want to go to any of our other social sites. So it would just be uh, www.aquaseca, A-Q-U-A-S-E-C-A.com. Perfect. Yeah, and we'll definitely put the the website and everything in the show notes um, to make sure people can easily you know, get a hold of you and and find out more. But uh, but yeah, Nancy, this is great. Uh, super interesting. Um, you know, wish you guys tons of success and more. Well, I'm sure our audience will be interested in tracking your your progress over the coming years. And uh, yeah, thanks again for being on the show. Oh, thanks for the opportunity. I love talking about what we're doing and and sharing it. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Take care. All right. Yeah. You too, Nancy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Critical CEO Ryan Cousins again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the IoT Idols podcast. If you're an accomplished engineer, inventor, product manager, or technology entrepreneur, and would like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please go to critical.com slash podcast slash apply. That's K-R-T-K-L dot com slash podcast slash apply. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or share it on social media and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you know someone you'd like to have us interview, let them know about the show or tag them on social media using the hashtag IOT Idols. We're always looking for great guests eager to share their stories with our audience. We're regularly posting new episodes, so make sure you subscribe to our podcast, follow us on social media, and join our mailing list at critical.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, be excellent.